1: i don't care what they might say we love jesus anyway
2: samson is able to continually go down into philistine country because he's loving his enemies he's in the midst of his enemies and showing love is he not because his enemies if you aren't tracking with me yet way down in gaza land and Escalon and the areas of the border of Judah really reflect the people that he's a part of didn't I tell you that the Philistines are nothing but a big mirror of the apostate rebellious superficial religious Jewish people that Samson lives among
1: Hi there! Welcome. This is Way of Grace with our teacher and pastor Jesse Stand. We invite you to join us today as we turn our attention once again back to the Book of Judges. Now, today we are going to begin our final installment in the life of Samson. Judges 16 verses 4 through 20 is where we're at in a message called "Back in Love Again." So, we begin our time together. We do so with a brief bit of background and then move into our first point that we are to love our enemies. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. What
2: I want to do as I lay a foundation, if you've got time for me, is I want to help you understand that Samson is not some rabid, hyper-harmonially driven man that every time that he looks at a woman, he want to have sex with her. That's not true by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I would say... For every man in the house, including me, we're worse than Samson. You know, a six and a half year trial can be a long time, can it? Yes. Let's, let's contextualize that for a moment. Let's say, for instance, you are, um, you're a 12 year old and you're in the sixth grade. I'm talking to my sons and grandsons and granddaughters now, y'all all here. I love them. You're in the sixth grade and somebody tells you that if you can hold out for six and a half years and maintain a B plus average in school, you can have any Ivy League college in the world to go to if you want to. Now ask any 12 year old how long a journey that is to get all the way through high school And halfway through junior college, and you get a free tuition into a university. Most young people won't make it. Take a young brother who has made a real mistake in his life, his early life. When we're young, we're stupid. We're strong but ignorant. Uh, And he finds himself in prison. And he's doing a long time in prison for indiscretions that hurt other people. That's a bad one. I've been there. That's the folly bound in the heart of a child thinking that nobody is harmed or hurt by his or her actions till we get older and we realize we can hurt people in our selfishness. So he's doing a long prison sentence, but the judge tells him, if you behave after six and a half years, we'll give you a possibility of parole and not only parole, a complete expunging of your total record. So when you come out, you'll have a clean slate to start all over again. You ask any of my brothers who are in the house now how difficult it is to do six and a half years in Pelican Bay. My Folsom, How difficult that would be. How difficult that would be. Oh, let's take another one. Take a young lady who is healthy, raised up in a good biblical home. And she understands biblical womanhood. She understands the difference between a modern woman and a godly woman. And she understands that uh, that God's call on her life is not to be celibate. So she wants a husband to join and collaborate with her in the fulfillment of her mission to proliferate and to impact this world with good people. But she's told she's 18 and 19 years old. She's told you're going to have to wait six and a half years before Mr. Wright even shows up in your territory for you to take a shot at him. You don't even get to do anything but work on yourself, build your character, prioritize your calling, discover your gifts, and not even think about being married for six and a half years. Tell me how difficult that would be for a young 17 or 18 year old. That'd be very difficult. Well, you and I have been reading three chapters, chapter 14 and 15, and now we are in chapter 16, are we not, of the book of Judges? It encompasses the totality of Samson's whole ministry. Chapter 14 showed us him falling in love with a woman with whom he married, and he couldn't even have her in the nuptial blessings of intimacy because he got into a squabble with his companions and his father-in-law took her and gave her to another man. What a disappointment for a man that wants his wife. And then he had to wait about six and a half years. And over that six and a half year period, what we learned last week was what all of us do from time to time, deviate from the path. Didn't we learn that? He deviated from the path. Chapter 16, verse 1, clear. He went down to Gaza. He saw a harlot and went into her. We can all fall over backwards. (laughs) Six and a half years he waited. Six and a half years. He held the course, but he's a robust male human being with all kinds of desires and passions like any other man or any other woman. And our brother failed, didn't he? Six and a half years, though. Six and a half years, and I told you God was with him. Was God with him? And he escaped gloriously from the hands of the enemy who thought they had him because of that indiscretion. And what have we learned biblically? All manner of sin will be forgiven the sons of men. Only one sin will never be forgiven, and that is blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, which is hard for any human being to do. Samson hung out for six and a half years, before he slipped, and then God delivered him gate and pillars and all. Remember that? Took him to the top of the hill, looking over at Hebron, saying, one day there's someone coming, and he's going to be better than me because he won't slip one time, and his name is Jesus. And then verse 4 tells us immediately, Samson found himself falling in love, With a woman in Sorek Named Delilah. Do y'all see that? Do you see that? That's what the text says. It came to pass afterwards. That he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. Now this is in the imperfect tense. The Calimperfect in the Hebrew. Means that he was becoming deeply committed to her. It's a process. Love is a process. Is it not? If it's not whimsical. And given to some of the fantasy that's going on in our culture. It's a long process. So now. Six and a half years from his first wife, who he didn't even get a chance to have, six and a half years from this prostitute to verse four, that gives you some context, doesn't it? Can I tell you why? Because we know that Samson's ministry lasted 20 years. Chapter 15, verse 20, please. This is how you contextualize a thing before you read in it too quickly and make assertions about somebody and totally miss what's really going on behind the scenes. Do y'all see that? Do you see it? 20 years, right? Y'all got that? 20 years. That's a long time for ministry uh, for any purpose. And now you and I have come upon the final scene of Samson's life. Samson's about to die. That means his work is about over, isn't it? That means we're way into his judgeship. We're way into it. We might be in year 19, huh? Yes. So you see how context matters, children of God? Do you see how context matters? Don't you fall prey like a lot of Christians do, just hodgepodging ideas out there and throwing them on God's choice servants, particularly in the scriptures, when you and I may not really know what's truly going on. See, our man, Samson, was just a typical human being endowed with gifts from God, but he wanted love, didn't he? He wanted love. The sister's shaking the head. The brother's said, <laughs> how does it go? Um, every time I move, I lose. <laughs> when I look, I'm in. Every time I turn around. I'm back in love again. I, I, I ain't got nothing wrong with that. How about you? Yeah, that's some of us are just fatally flawed with wanting love. And that's my boy, Samson. I mean, I consider and argue about the physiology of the man and the uniqueness of the gift of his personhood. Now, he wasn't some large prodigious person. He wasn't your big, masculine, physically uh, prowess individual. You know that because the lessons we're about to deal with now is a deep query into the mystery of his strength. If he was so big, we wouldn't have to worry about where his strength is. His strength is a mystery. And the strength of every believer is a mystery. It cannot be observed with the physical eye. It cannot be assessed or analyzed with rational scientific data or mechanisms. The strength of the people of God is the invisible God. And that's what we know about Samson too. Although we've got some lessons to learn today. You never judge a book by its cover. You know what the Bible says, John seven twenty four: judge righteous judgment. Right. Don't judge according to the appearance. Now, you know, that's a struggle for every one of us. Tell the truth. Every one of us in here are sinners in that regard. We love to judge based upon our own shallow thinking, and we love to judge based upon our appearances and our 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 bits and predilections. This requires discipline for us to be able to back up and put on the lens of Scripture to see the world the way God sees it. And that's what I want to do with you a little bit today. Help you understand Samson would be the safest man in the world for you to be with. Particularly if he loved you, because what I see in the text is everybody that Samson loved hurt him. Everybody that Samson loved hurt him. Now we are really looking at the mystery of redemption, are we not? Right. See, it was said, um, every now and then you look at a couple and you would think to yourself, what on earth is she doing with him? I know you're not saying it out loud, but you, you know you got some people like that. What in the world is she doing with him? Or what in the world is he doing with her? And the angels in heaven are saying... What in the world is he, the Lord Jesus Christ, doing with us? Hellbound sinners. Worse than his first wife. Worse than Delilah. Worse than the Judites in our text. And worse than the man whom Delilah, Delilah is about to represent. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? As we massage your thoughts around a necessary lens for the text to mean anything if there is an offense anywhere in the universe, is that God loves sinners. God loves sinners. He loves sinners. And his love is such that he'll get hurt over and over and over again to have sinners like you and me to be his bride. So don't puff up your self-righteousness against my boy Samson. He did a good job. He's going to end up dying for love. Is that the gospel? Point number one then in our text, love thine enemies. Again, I tried to teach you guys this this summer about the... um, the counterintuitive principle of loving your enemies. Now, you know, this is the Sermon on the Mount. You know this, you know, this is the Beatitudes, right? You know, Christ said, you know, bless those that persecute you, right? Pray for those that despitefully use you and abuse you, right? Isn't that a kind of intrinsic axiom that Samson is operating out of? Is he not operating out of the axiom of loving his enemies? See, you and I don't do that because we're way too self-righteous. Samson is able to continually go down into Philistine country because he loving his enemies. He's in the midst of his enemies and showing love, is he not? Because his enemies, if you aren't tracking with me yet, way down in Gaza land and Escalon and the areas of the border of Judah really reflect the people that he's a part of. Didn't I tell you that? The Philistines are nothing but a big mirror of the apostate, rebellious, superficial, religious Jewish people that Samson lives among. And they don't recognize that, but they are. And so Samson, whether he's up in, in, uh, in, 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 in Israel and in any of the other 11 tribes, his own being Dan, or whether he's down there in Ashkelon or in Gaza, as is the case, in fact, Sorek is a borderline between the Philistine country and the uh, regions of Israel. And we're not quite sure that Delilah is even a Philistine, but she's close enough to that community by which we can understand what's about to happen in this triage of relationship that's about to take place. In any event, Samson is taking loving his enemy seriously. And here's the reason why. I want to remind you, God is sovereign. God has a purpose that often transcends our own. His thoughts are not your thoughts and his ways are not your ways. As the heavens are high above the earth, so his ways are higher than ours. Is that true? All right, see, all you mommy-in-laws and daddy-in-laws ought to know this by now. Which one of us have automatically just liked the son-in-law our daughter dragged in the house? I love mine now. I love them. They've given me a strapping 12 grandchildren, beautiful, gorgeous, splendid, and they love G-poppy. I love my son-in-laws, but they had to earn it. Who is this thing they dragging in the house? They had to earn it. That's how we are. We can be changed by relationship, and that's what God is saying. We can be changed by relationship. And so what we've got here in our text is really a call to understand the counterintuitive principle of what Jesus did when he came into the world. He ate and drank and hang out with publicans and tax collectors and sinners. Y'all would hate it if we were compelled to have to do that because we're so comfortable just with a handful of our own. You see how self-righteous we are? You see how religious we are? So what's going to compel an individual to move into a state of doing something that, according to the religious community, is really difficult to do? It's going to be God revealing to you how he works sovereignly to save people who don't deserve to be saved and use people who don't deserve to be saved but are saved to do it. You don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve to be saved. And the people that are getting saved don't deserve to be saved. But God's going to save them through people who don't deserve to be saved. That is the gospel. They killed Jesus because he continually ate and drank with publicans and sinners and tax collectors and harlots. And they entered into the kingdom before the Jews did. You and I are in danger. We're in danger. Religion will make you self-righteous and strip you of the gospel and you will fail to see God's glory. Am I making some sense? It hurts. It's true. It hurts. It's true. Folks complain about all kind of stuff in the church. Don't realize we're trying to get at lost sinners here. Trying to get at lost sinners. God bless Samson. And I'm still, y'all got time for me? I'm still trying to figure out In a 20 year span of a man being a kind of one man DOJ, a one man CIA, a one man NSA, a one man FBI, how come some other Jewish men didn't come up to sign up and be part of his team in 20 years? How come at the end of his work he's still by himself? I'm bothered. I'm part of the committee of the concern. One of the old preachers put it, Ralph Barnard. I'm bothered by my generation. Bothered that we talk so much Christianity. And then when somebody sneezes, we want to fall out. That's exactly right. We're so weak. I'm bothered that we're not standing up for the glory of God. In all of the sectors of life that we should be, Samson's doing it. See, remember I told you last week how all those mamas were sitting around the, the kitchen sink washing dishes and texting each other praying for Samson? The only reason a servant is raised up who has a bullseye on his back and the world hates him, the only reason he makes it is because somebody's praying for him. So if you're not gonna do something, just pray for the rest of us. Don't complain. Pray for us because we're trying to glorify God and it don't look good. And there's all kinds of squabbles and all kinds of faults and all kinds of mistakes. And we're going to slip here and there. But a just man rises up seven times. Y'all see what's going on here? See, in a minute, Israel is going to hate the fact that Samson is dead. Because the whole nation is going to now precipitously go into some of the most dark and pagan practices that are manifested in my culture right now. Read chapter 17 through 20 and 21 and you've got America and Europe magnified to the 10th order. All because Samson is gone and nobody picked up his mantle after he left. Samson is the last good man. Read your Bible. It's a terrible thing when the righteous perish because they're taken away from the judgment that's to come. It's Isaiah chapter 57. And then the people don't even get it when he perishes. They go on in their blindness. So Samson has taken loving his enemies seriously. And remember what Jesus said, they're going to beat you. They're going to put you in prison. They're going to torture you. They're going to do all kinds of stuff. And you are still to be counterintuitive because the only thing you're looking for is an opportunity for them to show some fragility, some weakness, some honesty, some need for a deliverance from a system that's forcing them to act like a beast on you. They need to escape too. And if you and I can bear up under the pressure Even when we're put in jail and be able to sing the songs of Zion like Paul did and Barnabas did or Silas rather did. And the jailer came in and saw that these men meant them no harm and came to Christ. See, this is real Christianity I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the fluff stuff that you deal with every day. I'm talking about real Christianity. Most Christianity is counterintuitive, but counterintuitive Christianity requires something that we fail to acknowledge and we often take for granted. This is the lesson that we're about to learn today. Now, my brother Samson is getting ready to spiral down into a level of temptation that I understand. I understand not as deeply as I should, but this level of temptation is about to teach you and me how that we can presume that we have the spirit of God with us when we don't. Point number one, then let me get it, get through it. Sub so point A, he endured their hatred. Look at verse five, chapter 16, verse five. Are you there? In chapter 16, verse five. Okay, I'm in the wrong portion here. I need to get there. Here's what it says. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, that is Delilah, entice him. Do you guys see that? The lords of the Philistines said unto her, entice him. Now, again, in the Hebrew, that term means to persuade. And it also means to deceive, persuade and deceive. But I want us to learn something. Now, here you guys know, I've taught you that your Bible is filled with what we call the principles of recapitulation. You know what that means, right? You have these events that occur and then there is a repetition of that event in a different way that teaches us something relative to the event before.
1: Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-bible.com is our website. Again, that's grace-bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. 82 If you're writing to us our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street here in Hayward, the zip code 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace.